and talking. Oh, I love it. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, you're recording me. <laughs> we all hate the sound of our own voice, don't we? Okay. Um, so I wasn't here last week, but I heard that Jake did a great job yes. um, in speaking about stepping out of the boat and the faith that's required in that. And, um, and that's just a part of the series that we're doing, Worth the Cost, um, except I'm probably speaking a little bit more on counting the cost um, today. So I'm not going to ask you to step out of the boat. Um, I'm actually, mine's a lot easier today. I'm actually going to ask you to hand over your phones your wallets and your clothes. <laughs> Are we ready? Yeah? Okay, all right. So... <laughs> Are you really? I'll ask you that when I finish my message. Um, so I think we need to pray and um, commit this time to the Lord because we're going to need a bit of courage to hear this message today. Amen. All right. <laughs> oh, Lord God, we just... We thank you so much for community of church, for the body that you've created and I thank you, Lord God, that you're the head. Lord God, that we can trust your word. Lord God, that we can trust you in counting the cost and understanding that it really is worth the cost. But Lord God, recognising that it does come with courage. It does come with surrender. It comes with a humble heart. And Lord, that's a challenge when you live in an earthly body. <laughs> so I just pray that you'll help us to have ears to listen Yes. Lord God, that our hearts will be open to receive what you have to say individually for each of us this morning. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so if you've got your Bibles um, with you, I'd love you to turn to Matthew 9. I'm not going through the beginning of Matthew 9. We're actually going to pick it up from uh, Matthew 9, verse 35. And then we'll also um, travel through to chapter 10 as well. I need a bigger lectern. <laughs> okay. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So we get a picture here of Jesus, as he does a lot of days, just walking around villages, going in and out of the marketplace, going to the synagogues and just sharing the good news that the kingdom of God is, is here, it's upon us. And I can imagine that the disciples are probably not too far away. Um, perhaps they're, you know, observing from a, a distance, we don't know. But I do know that they're, they're close enough that they're observing and watching what Jesus is up to. Because Jesus says to them, look, like look at the harvest and the workers, the workers are few. Now, the thing that I find funny about this verse, I don't know if any of you else, I keep getting stuck on ask the Lord of the harvest, which is God, therefore to send out workers into his harvest. And I thought that's a really weird request. 
because if we just pretend for a moment that Steve's the Lord of the harvest, okay, so Steve's God, and let's just say I'm Jesus, okay, that I then say to all of you, hey, Lakes, hey, Lakes, let's ask the Lord of the harvest, Steve, to send out workers, okay? Then who's Steve going to send? He's going to send us. <laughs> Why is he going to send us? Because we're a part of the body here. We're, we understand lakes, hopefully, the mission of lakes. We've just heard a little bit about it this morning. We can carry the same heart out into our community. So when Jesus is asking his disciples to pray to God, to ask for helpers, it's not like a, dear God, oh, I can clearly see that, uh, yeah, there's plenty of stuff out there to do. Can you send someone, please? Amen. <laughs> it's not that way at all. Okay, we're the ones that carry this vision. And Steve says, Lakes, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. So this is really what's happening here with Jesus and his disciples. And then a little bit later on, as we move into chapter 10, um, Jesus calls his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12. So we've got uh, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, James, Zebedee, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Alpheus, Thaddeus, Simon and Judas. Um, these 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So I imagine... Here, um, he's said to his disciples, you've just observed me. You've just been watching what I've been doing in the marketplaces. I've given you a demonstration. Now you know what to do. So now I'm actually going to, and, and I've identified, sorry, first of all, that you're the workers. And now I'm going to give you instructions how to do it. So he calls them into action. And so now he gives them the instructions on how to fulfill this mission. So I just want to touch on one thing here. Um, their ministry in, at that moment, what Jesus was calling them into was to minister to the Jews, the harassed and the helpless Jews, which was all of them. And the part that says here, just on a side note, um, that talks, it's when, um, sorry, Jesus said, not the Samaritans, Sorry, I'm just going to chuck that on the ground. Um, or the Gentiles. Um, it's not because God, Jesus' ministry was not for the Gentiles or the Samaritans. Because later on we see in Acts that God actually um, asks his disciples to go and minister to the Samaritans and the Gentiles. It's simply that this specific mission was to the Jews this time around. Can you imagine Jesus? He's like, right, huddle in, boys. He's got his 12. Huddle in. You've been watching me. You've been watching what I've been doing in the synagogues. You've been watching what I've been doing in the marketplace and the villages, and now it's your turn. 
You've been given my authority. You've been given my power. You have the truth. Now it's your turn. Now, he wants us to move out in God's authority, cast out demons, heal the sick, proclaim the gospel, set people free, go and find the helpless and the harassed people. Are you ready? By the way, I'm not coming with you. And you have to leave behind your wallet, your staff, and any change of clothes that you've got in your bag. That's pretty scary. So I know at the moment Steve mentioned about Fiji and there's um, a few of us that are heading over to Fiji and we've been starting to get together and starting to talk through what's, what's this look like? What does ministry look like? I've never ministered to prisoners. Um, and so how do we approach them? What do we do? What do we take with us? And we're having all these conversations to try and get prepared, right? Now imagine part of my Fiji team that are here, if I gather you together and like, you know, maybe the night or the morning of and we're about to fly out and I'll say, oh, it's so good. We're going to like heal the sick. Like, woo, that's amazing. And we're going to carry the authority in and we're going to cast demons out and, oh, and we're just going to see amazing provision and God's just like going to be amazing. But team... Now I want you to leave your bag behind, your wallet and your handbags, and, um, and any form of, you know, income. Oh, oh, and by the way, Peter Schultz, who's a part of Operation Foundation, he's not going to be there. You'll have to do it without him. It'd be a bit scary, would it not? All right, let's try and understand what Jesus is asking the disciples to go without. So why did Jesus say this? Why did he say that they didn't need these things? It says here, Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff. For the worker is worth his keep. A staff. Boys in those days at the age of 12 were given a staff. And the reason they were given a staff is to ward off any stray or dangerous animals or possibly any dangerous humans, I'm not sure. <laughs> but it was a form of protection that boys started to carry from a young age and through into adulthood. They'd always carry a staff. Um, and possibly today I was trying to think, okay, what does it look like today? We're not allowed to carry guns. <laughs> we're not allowed to carry swords with us. What is our form of protection? And I thought, the more I thought about it, I, what do we whip out? What is it? Our phone. What do we do if, if we have a car crash? If we can, we whip it out. We ring triple zero, ring an ambulance. Um, you get yourself in trouble, need money, you ring your parents. <laughs> um, we pull our phone out all the time. And then I thought, oh my gosh, a phone is also something we give to our kids at the age of 12 or younger. And they've got, they're carrying it with them all the time. A phone is our current day form of protection. And we can even use it. Did you know we can use it to ward off dangerous animals? Because last week, I love you, Sam, but Sam warded off a fly with his phone. <laughs> so it's used for many things. 
Okay, and then um, Jesus says no wallet, no coins, gold or copper bits, copper bits and identity papers. So in those days, they could have been carrying around like little gems or bits of copper or whatever that they could trade in. They could have had some coins. Um, they would have had their identification papers in their wallet. There wouldn't have been much. And then I thought, okay, what's our current day today of what we carry around? It's a bit bigger. It's also called a wallet or a handbag or a man bag or a backpack or whatever you want to call it. But what, what do we have in it? Everything. Everything. <laughs> you still want to hand it over to me? <laughs> yes. She wants the Panadol, the ibuprofen, the This is a mother's handbag. Don't feel bad if some of you are going, we never carry any of that. This is a mother's handbag. But we have forms of identification, don't we? We have access to all of our bank accounts through our credit cards or whatever else. We have our flyby points. Our reward systems are in our handbag. Um, anything, <laughs> some, some of us may carry passports in there. But um, we basically are, are being asked here to give a give up or surrender our provision. So protection, number one, and provision. Number three, a hard one, Tim. And a spare set of clothes and a bag. I thought you were asking me to be naked. I'm okay with the clothes. Oh, okay, you get one set. <laughs> Just no spare. Um, so back in those days, um, it, you know, they may have had in their bag, they may have had a couple of little sanitary items, maybe a tiny little cake of soap and a, and a hair comb. Um, they certainly would have had like maybe a different shirt or something for if they were going into people's homes um, because they did a lot of walking, so they wouldn't have wanted to present themselves in their travel gear. They probably only had the one pair of sandals. They didn't have much at all. And then I started thinking about our current day and I started picturing how we pack our bags even for a weekender <laughs> or an overnighter <laughs> and going, oh, uh, okay. We, um, we pack a lot of clothes and perhaps makeup and toiletries and hair gel and everything that Tamara said as well. It's already in my handbag. Yes, okay. <laughs> so why did Jesus ask his disciples to go out without protection, provision, and I'm going to call the other one presentation. Everything that's in our bags and is, is to do with our presenting ourselves, right? So they're the three Ps. I got, I got a three in. Woo! Um, and I believe the answer is, is a little bit later on in that verse there. The worker is worth his keep. So we've established that we're the workers. So whose responsibility is it to look after our keep? You don't have to answer me. You should all know, right? What's the answer everyone says? Jesus, God. <laughs> um, he's our paymaster. He's, he's responsible for taking care of our keep. So what we see here, what Jesus is doing, is he's teaching a principle of faith, a dependence on God. God wants to remind us that he's the provider. He has a storehouse that's completely full with everything that we need. In fact, it's, it's better than what we would actually store up for ourselves. And sometimes we don't feel like we deserve to go into the storehouse. We feel like, well, we haven't really worked hard for it or we haven't been good enough to access it. Um, and it requires a lot of humility to go in there. And it also requires humility because a lot of the ways that God chooses to provide for us is through others. 
How many of you here have provided for each other in times of trouble? And, um, and it does require humility, more humility to actually receive. And um, I was thinking just quickly in regards to Fiji, um, last weekend we happened to be away, but a couple of weeks prior to that, Steve got a phone call from our um, pastor friends in Sydney and um, he pastors a Filipino church and they had 20, 25 people that were coming here to Newcastle for a, um, like a retreat. Or, and the place that they were staying at pulled out on them at the last minute. And so they rang Steve and said, do you not anywhere or anyone who will house us? And we thought, well, we're actually away that weekend. Why don't you use our house? And, um, and we weren't thinking of asking for money or anything from that. We were happy for them to use the house because we weren't going to be around. But then they offered a money monetary gift. And Steve's first instinct was no. But Holy Spirit said to Steve, this is my provision. And then they gifted us. And the money covers my Fiji ticket. Okay, isn't that amazing? When you're willing to lay something down, God provides. He's so, so faithful. Now, each mission is specific. And the mission that we're even seeing here in Matthew, it's very specific. It's to the Jewish people of that time and their specific instructions as to how to do it. Um, and, but what I want you to understand is that the principles are always the same. The principles of surrender and cost, they're never going to change when God's calling us into mission. So when we accept God's mission, there will be a cost. There will be. Right. In my short life, although it seems longer now, <laughs> I'm getting all the injuries, so maybe I can't say short life anymore. <laughs> In my long life now, um, look, oh, the amount of things God has asked me to surrender to him um, I've had to lay down friendships to him. I've had to lay down income, my position, my job. Um, I've had to lay down just my children I've had to put before God. Um, there's been so many desires, things that I've wanted to do um, that we've just I've just had to lay it down to God. It just doesn't seem possible but uh, all the timing to be able to do a lot of what I've desired and dreamt of doing. But I promise you, nothing has been as painful as laying down my own trust in myself. That's, that's come at a huge cost for me. And some of you know a bit of my story, and I'm just going to touch on it because for me, nothing represents cost for me personally like this story. Um, so Steve and I were at Maryland, um, nearby Maryland, for years, and I loved that church, and I was heavily involved. And there was a moment when I know God said to me, I want you to lay down all the things that you do at this church, which was embarrassingly a, a lot. And I didn't want to lay any of them down. I loved them all. I enjoyed them all. But you know when you get that stirring in your spirit? When you've overstayed your welcome, Tim, that stirring, that frustration, that irritation in your spirit. And I knew I needed to obey God. Um, and then the next six months, that it was really tough. And, and it's hard for me to try to help you to understand how tough it is because my identity was so wrapped up in this. And I just felt like God was just peeling back every layer from me. Um, and I asked him, why? Why are you asking me to give up all of these things that I love doing? Like, 
as a Christian, am I not supposed to be serving you this way? And um, he said, it's because you find your identity in the things that you do rather than in me. And that was a bit of a rude shock for me because he called me to a period of rest. I don't do rest well. (laughs) I don't like not having lots of things to do. And I realised all of my drive behind wanting to do so well in my ministry was out of fear. I wanted to look competent. I wanted to be perceived as a successful Christian. Like, and, and I got so many pats on the back. I got the reward for it. Everyone was like, you're amazing. Why wouldn't I want to stay in that position of having any, everyone pat me on the back? And I realised I was so desperate to prove my intelligence, my success, my whatever it was. Um, and that was my driving force. I was terrified to fail and or ter- terrified to be what I would maybe have considered a nobody. And so, and I thought the thing that a successful Christian was God used you. And man, God was going to use me for his purposes. That's, that's what I was all about. And then God's saying, I don't want to use you. It's not about using you. It's about loving you. I cried a lot. <laughs> and I, I reckon I even, I sulked. Um, and I felt entirely lost. I felt vulnerable. I felt naked. Um, and I just thought, who am I if I'm not doing something for God? Who am I? I'm just that lazy, pew-sitting person. <laughs> Sorry, but that's what I thought. I became the very person I didn't want to be. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was a journey of surrender. The thing that happened, though, is in that moment, you know, when you feel like you're just at your your worst, (laughs) and then God, in that moment of absolute pain for me and feeling lost, God came and said, you're going to plant a church. Now, you'd think I'd be excited about that because he's giving me something to do, but I wasn't because I like giving me anything else, anything else. I do not want to plant the church. I do not want to be a pastor's wife. I do not want Steve to be a pastor. I know how that gig goes and I don't want it. <laughs> and, um, and so, but I was in such a state of being completely vulnerable and lost that I knew I had to do this, even if it was going to be hard work, then to be without God and do it my way. And so I stepped into this role with Steve a little bit begrudgingly and um, and we started journeying to what I just knew without a doubt was God's mission for us. And I had weighed up the cost. Trust, I had weighed it up. I'm like, okay, we're now living a life of poverty. <laughs> no, 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 it's not true, but I'm getting to that. So, but this was my perception. You have to understand what I was actually surrendering because it's scary. My perception was a life of poverty. Uh, we couldn't go on holidays like other people. We had to be around every weekend. Uh, we didn't have a clock on and clock off like people had access to us whenever they wanted to. Um, that my children were all going to go off the track because that's what happens with pastors' kids, in my experience. Um, that people were going to have expectations of me to be a certain way or lead certain ministries. Um, and that I was going to have to be super, super responsible, which is a little bit not me. Um, <laughs> So I had all of these huge, huge fears and, and I didn't want anything 
to do with this. Um, but I knew this is the mission God's called me to. And if I trust that he is the God that he says he is, and he is the provider and the protector, and he will take care of my reputation that I think I have, <laughs> um, that I can surrender to him. And so we planted the church. But do you know what I did? I, I accepted the mission, but I didn't lay down my staff. I didn't lay down my wallet and I didn't lay down a bag of stuff. And I realized that when we planted the church, I was very much like, I'm gonna protect this man as much as I can. I'm protecting my kids. Um, I'm protecting our income. No, Steve, you're not giving up your well-paid job. <laughs> and so I had my staff and I was ready to use it. I was warding <laughs> off any wolf that's coming my way, right? And, and that's what I did. I was just trying to protect and protect and use my staff and beat, beat anything or anyone that tried to come in and threaten you know, that space. And it was out of fear. I had such a fear still right. that I was carrying into this mission. Um, yeah, the wallet, uh, you know, I'm like, are you sure, Steve? God's called you to give up your well-paid job. Are you sure? Like, <laughs> yes, Liz. Oh, okay. And it, it was a real struggle because I had, we had made the choice for me to be a stay-at-home mum. So then I thought, okay. And, and I even was like, Steve, you've got a responsibility to feed our children and me. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, and it, I had to lay down my presentation. I was really scared of how people were going to um, box me in or, um, or, you know, say maybe say things that weren't true about me or whatever else that can come sometimes with being in this position. And... Um, and not laying down those things, and I won't go into, I don't have time today, but not laying down those things um, put me through a world of pain that I wouldn't want for anyone else. Um, and it's been a hard, you can ask me about that later. Um, but I accepted the mission, but I didn't lay down the things God was asking me to lay down. And um, it's twofold. We have to do two. Now, if, you, if we go continue on through this passage, we know now that Jesus has called his disciples in. He's been, he's asked them to observe him so they know what to do. He said, you're, you're the workers, you're the one that can carry the heart of me and I've instructed you how to do it. You've got to lay down these things. And once you lay down those things, whatever town or village you enter, I'm reading from verse 11, sorry. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person, stay in their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town, shake off the dust of your feet. Truly, I tell you, I will be, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than the, for that town. There's a mission here that God's asking us to do. And he may have asked the disciples to lay down protection, presentation. What's the third one, guys? You're listening? Provision. But he's asking them to take a different cargo in. He's asking them to carry peace. Yeah. Like, you can't even put a price on peace. It's the most valuable commodity that's available to us. He's asking us to carry his power, his authority, and his truth. That 
is the real cargo that we're meant to carry. Right. That's good. I was carrying my own form of protection, my own form of provision and my own presentation into the mission. I was carrying the wrong cargo into the mission field. And I was distracted from the real mission. Christ in us is the mission. Right. Amen. Yes. Christ in us is the mission. It doesn't matter what ministry you operate in. It doesn't matter if God's got you going overseas or he's got you teaching scripture or he's got you, you know, in a, in a workplace with a, your influence of people there in schools. It doesn't matter. Carrying the presence of Christ is enough. We need to know that. Carrying the presence of Christ is enough where we go every day. Jesus is having a moment here with his disciples He's saying, surrender your man-made confidences or lack of confidences (laughs) and instead carry my cargo, carry my authority, carry my power, carry my peace, carry the truth of the gospel with you. And I tell you that cargo is far more valuable than what the disciples probably would have thought to carry with them. Christ in us is the most important commodity. Um, I was thinking when I was reading through um, or through that just then, do you remember the, um, the show The Price is Right with Larry Emders? Come on, Come on down. For those that are young enough and don't know, um, it's, a, it's a game show. And what they did was they got a selection of um, products, um, anywhere from maybe, you know, a packet of chewing gum to maybe a can of deodorant through to a car through to, I don't know, a a house or something like that. And um, they'd have maybe 12 items and then the contestant had to put them in order of value. You remember that? And if they got the order correct, they won the whole package. The price is right. Okay. And it got me thinking, do we understand the value of the cargo that we're meant to carry? And if we laid the cargo that we're meant to carry, that God says we're meant to carry against what we want to carry ourselves, how would we actually lay those values out? It's quite confronting. And I started thinking through it in my, in my own head. Um, what would I actually have as my lowest value up to what would I have as my highest value? Now, I think as Christians, we can probably guess and get it pretty close. But I'm not, I'm asking your flesh. <laughs> I'm asking your flesh this question. It's the reality of what do we spend, if you don't know actually, a good question is what do I spend most of my time thinking on or giving attention to? And you'll quickly understand what the value is. And we have to understand the value of the mission that God has called us to and the cargo that we carry if you're going to be able to complete the mission. You won't complete it without understanding the value. So God identified the workers. He explained the mission and what to take. And now he goes on to tell them what to expect. So he said miracles, healings, peace released over homes. We've read that. Hearts are going to be set free. Demons are going to be sent out. Relationships restored. There'll be salvation. Hang on. I actually need my glasses for the next bit. Verse 14. 
Uh, you may be welcome. No, you may not be welcomed. You may be arrested, flogged, betrayed, hated, persecuted. Because I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Okay, we'll just paraphrase that, will we? Yeah? Because sometimes it's best to gloss over the fine print, yeah? <laughs> mm. If you want to, should I say it that loud? Okay. All right. <laughs> really loud. Oh, I love your faith. <laughs> I am sending you out to be like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say. For it will be, uh, sorry, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of the father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the son of man comes. I'll just stop there. If you want to be liked and accepted by the world, then Christianity is not for you. If you want to remain comfortable, Christianity is not for you. Right. Do you know, sometimes we gloss over these really uncomfortable and hard parts. But Steve and I don't want to sell you a, a, a fake or false mission. Right. God doesn't want to sell, sell you some glossy version. In fact, some of us have grown up in churches and some of us have received a false gospel. You know, a gospel that says that if you follow Christ, you might just get everything that you need and want and that it actually may not be too hard. Um, but that's not the gospel God's talking about here. Christianity that costs nothing is worth nothing. That hurt me <laughs> when I read that. Christianity that costs nothing is worth nothing. So what does Christianity cost you? What's it cost you? And perhaps this question is hard to answer. Perhaps it's confronting to think through because you're aware that maybe there's not been any cost for you in your own life. Or perhaps there, you weighed up a cost, but then you retrieved and you struggle with Christianity, you're struggling with the Christian walk and wondering why. It's a confronting and very uncomfortable question. What does Christianity cost you? What does it cost us as a church? It's not just about the individual. What is it, what's it gonna cost us as a nation? But I love that, you know, Jesus, God's good. He's so faithful. And even Jesus here, he doesn't hide the truth from us. Jesus is so brutally honest with his disciples of the potential dangers and hazards. He doesn't leave them in the dark. Yes, there's going to be fun things on this journey. We are going to see amazing stuff. We're going to see the blind set free. We're going to see marriages restored. Relationships restored. Provision Healings, crazy, great things. But there's going to be times of difficulty, sacrifice, trouble, surrender. 
cover her ears so she doesn't hear this. And persecution. <laughs> There's going to be these things. Verse 26 in Matthew 10. But I have no fear, for there will be nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Even the hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Slightly comforting. Just a few sparrows. <laughs> no. <laughs> we are God's treasure. We are his children. And he is going to take care of us. And yes, there are great challenges. And, but do you know what? They are completely and utterly worth it. Um, if I go back and look at my own journey... And I didn't actually <laughs> go on to say that all of those things that I was scared of have not come about. Mm. Amen. All those things that, yes, that it was a real sacrifice and I did weigh up the cost and I laid it down, but I had it all wrong because I did. Because I'm not scared anymore to be a pastor's wife. I'm actually not scared. If, if God said to me today, I don't need you to do anything else for me, I'm not scared of that anymore. I want to do things for him, but I'm not scared anymore. And I think what's happened is I do have children that are okay. They've not gone off the track. Far from. They're passionate. They love hearing about Christ. We're not poor. We've had opportunities to go into countries that I couldn't ever have dreamed of before. Church, New Vine Lakes, has not been a church that's told me that I have to run certain ministries or be a certain way. You guys have loved us. You've loved our children. You've you've made this an amazing experience for us. And I can't thank my body. Oh. <laughs> I can't thank you guys enough because it was really scary for me. And you guys have been amazing. And I don't want to do it any other way. I want to do it God's way. He's proven himself time and time right. over. Amen. And so I'm happy to look at the costs and I'm happy to lay it down because I trust him. Sorry. <laughs> God is saying to you, I may ask you to surrender some things. He already has. <laughs> and he may ask you again to surrender some things. In order for him to fulfill his promises, which is so much bigger than what you've dreamt up for yourself, I promise you. You will grow from these things. You'll mature. You can only mature when you count the cost. There's no maturity in comfort. Do not fear what man can do to you. Don't fear rejection. Don't fear persecution. Don't fear personal harm. Yes, there will be some difficulties along the way. Some dangers. We may be hated. But please know that I have given my children the most precious of resources. I've given you peace. 
I've given you authority. I've given you salvation. I've given you healing. Healing power to carry. Carry them well. Give them out generously because he's given them to us generously. And lean in. Carry them well. Give them out generously to those that lean in, to those that want to receive, that are those people of peace. Set my people free. Set my people free. The Moses kiss talk, right? It's the mission, mission in us, Christ in us. You are my workers. You've received your message, like your mission. God's given you your your mission. He's identified you as the workers at New Vine Lakes. And he's offering you his protection. He'll take care of your presentation, your reputation, whatever that looks like for you. And the provision. And he wants to call us to move forward in that total surrender. So I don't want anyone here today. I don't want anyone leaving that feels that there's something God has been calling and maybe you've covered your ears and you're just doing the la, 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 la. I still do it to God. Don't worry. <laughs> maybe there's a... <laughs> Uncover those ears. No, that's okay. It's okay to be in that space. Just share it with someone. Share with people. I feel like God's calling me in this direction. Or there's things that I know God's asked me to do, but I'm unwilling to surrender because, and it's always fear, I have a fear of these things. We journey together on this church. This is lakes going out together. This is Steve calling us in and saying, I can't do this on my own. The harvest is huge in Lake Macquarie. The harvest is huge. And it's Christ in us. That's the mission as we move in and about this community. Amen. So if you want prayer, then I really encourage you to not leave, to come out and let one of us pray over you this morning. Is the worship team here? What time is it, Steve? Did I go over? Oh, okay, no, don't worry. We'll we'll leave. We'll leave it at that. But I trust God's really spoken. This wasn't a message for me. It's a message for us. And, um, yeah, I just trust that the Holy Spirit's been working in your hearts this morning. So can I just finish by praying? Yeah. Lord God, thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. Lord, it's, it's a hard message. It's, it's hard to swallow sometimes, Lord God, realising that the things um, that you call us into, there will be troubles. There can be dangers and persecution. Lord, the sacrifice and the cost of having to lay things down. But Lord God, help us not to focus on that, but to focus on what is what the fruit of that is, Lord God, the maturity in you and the, the ability to be able to see you at your best, um, performing miracles and um, giving great provision and um, seeing things that we just wouldn't see in our own flesh, Lord God. And I just really pray, Lord God, that you'll help us as a church to understand the cargo that we carry. Lord God, that we understand the value of what we carry everywhere that we go inside of us. 
Christ in us. That's all that we need, Lord God. Your presence is all that we need. May we be excited, Lord God, by missions that you call us into, not fearful, but excited about the potentials, excited to see people set free, to see salvation, to see relationships restored, to see the the sick get well. Lord God, help us to focus on the joyful and uh, just, yeah, the, the part that just is able to embrace this journey with you. There is joy in it, Lord God. There is love in it. There is hope. Lord God, give New Vine Lakes a heart to do your will and relationships to support each other well in it. We love you, Lord. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. And um, yeah, it's been a great time of just listening to the kids talk and the music. And again, I realised how much everything just kind of, the, the last song that we sang just went into the Moses to the message. And God's just good, isn't he? He's amazing. But again, just talk amongst yourself, welcome people here. Um, but if there's anyone that is feeling um, that there's something stirring in their heart and they want to come forward for prayer, please um, come and see Steve and myself or, or a trusted person just to talk that through. So bless you all. I release you.